A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. Christianity provides a comprehensive view of the world. Christianity is a worldview. Worldviews are the grids. They are the lenses through which we frame all of reality. Yo, welcome to episode 26 of the Black Real Podcast. My name is Dami. I'm sitting down in this very, very hot room hmm. with um, Israel and Kofi. What's going on, guys? I'm all good. <laughs> I'm all right still. I'm good. Uh, how's your week's been? Uh, Kofi, it's good to see you. Ain't seen you in a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> been busy. Um, but I'm about... Yeah, been good. Trying to increase um, that net worth. Huh? <laughs> We're going to bleep that still. <laughs> no, it's been a good week. Um, weather's nice. Although I'm not like a huge fan of super hot weather. Same. Um, but been, you know, working, doing doing what I need to do. I went to see a good show yesterday. Um, shout Africa Rights. Um, it was a one-man performance by... Okay, uh, dope. Yeah, Yomi Shode, I think. Uh, hopefully I've, I've said his name correctly. Um, and he was just really unpacking the experience of being a child of the diaspora and growing up with the challenges that brings about. Didn't I have something to do with Stu? Yeah, yeah. So the concept. Yeah. Um, so throughout the performance, he's cooking stew okay. um, for to give to his mum. Okay. And as he's going through the process of cooking the stew, trying to impress his mum with the food, he's reminiscing on all the experiences of his childhood. Right, right, right. Yeah, so it's it's like he's he's actually there chopping the onions, like got the Maggie, everything's proper happening. Okay. Um, but then he pauses at points to do bits of spoken word or right. to, to, to recount certain experiences that occurred. It's actually one of, the, one of the good things about it is on our seats, you know, you have like the flyers that sort of promote the show. Mm. Um, on one side, there was a picture, probably of him and his mum from his actual childhood and his mum was cooking. But on the back, there was a recipe for, oh, for <laughs> yeah, and, and an ingredient list. And they also like sellotaped two Maggie cubes. I'm done. Yeah, so it was a nice touch. It felt authentic. That's I dope. liked it. Israel, how you, you were saying at me when I said that I agree that I don't like this hot weather. Yeah, I love this hot weather. I'm enjoying it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, initially I was sceptical because obviously with London, I'm always anticipating the rain. Um, <laughs> so like the first, this is, this is technically be the third week of no rain and just like actual good weather. Three right. weeks in a row, which is crazy to me. I can't stand it um, because and, I'm perspiring. And it's looking to continue into next week. So that'll be a month of genuinely amazing weather to me. Like I feel like God has answered prayers that <laughs> done more than we could ever think or imagine or to, to dream. Um, but nice. how's your week it's, been? It's crazy. <laughs> Let me just interject. Sorry, yeah, go but on. It's crazy when you're wearing like, I mean, you're wearing one now, a white shirt. <laughs> and you know, you're going to work, you got your white shirt on and you're on maybe the central line. No way. You, you got, you just, you got to make sure that you're not wearing it properly so that, nah, man, I can't do it. I, can't, <laughs> I don't feel it. I don't feel it. My week feels really boring after hearing. His, yeah, hearing yeah. The details of that show. I mean, to be fair, that was just, that was just one day. But it doesn't it mean like it's, I'm not saying day. your life is boring, bro. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So yeah, go go. We're gonna bleep that. <laughs> <laughs> um, my day, my, well, my week was pretty okay. Um, yeah. Calm. So there wasn't as much work to do this week. Okay. Um, got to relax and take things a bit easier and slow down a bit. Right. Um, watched the a bit of the England game with some colleagues. Okay, nice. Um, which is always an experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> I say that, that it was good. It was good. Yeah. Um, and that disclaimer. <laughs> but yeah it was, it was a good week cool. and I'm kind of looking forward to next week after, after seeing that the weather is set to continue so nice I finally nice. put my umbrella away and I live in freedom without fear I hear that Damo Mr. Football yo yeah. how was the week that has literally, literally been my week watching commentating um, analysing football funny interesting enough though it's probably the most time I've spent with my dad in a while which was nice okay because it's quite rare for us to sit down and have father some bonding even though there's probably less talking than there should be um but yeah we spent some time watching the game together this week um flawed absolutely flawed by the nigeria result on tuesday um that was so painful but the boys went out there the super yeah. Eagles went out there did us proud 
one best dressed, so <laughs> can't complain. But yeah, that's been a, that's been about it. Um, the ACS award. <laughs> respect yourself. <laughs> respect yourself. But yeah, um, we'll, we'll crack on with what we're here to discuss today. So a variety of topics. Um, make sure you've checked out our latest article. I should just say sorry on the Blackberry website. Yeah, um, good article. Adele tweets talking about how being present. Um, can shape the Christian life. Um, really, really fantastic response to the article. Thank you for everybody who's tweeted us, messaged mm. us, saying that they appreciated it. Um, I'm sure she does also appreciate it. And latest episode of the Blackberry Podcast, before today, episode 25, we were there talking about SBC, yes, uh, Pence, uh, what religion and the church should look like, shouldn't mm. look like, stuff like that. Um, that was another really good episode. Shout out to Edgem for filling in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic always has wisdom and insight therefore and i love his humor that's that's one that's one part of um what he brings to the table and i'm, I'm so blessed every time we hear him speak but yeah today we're going to be talking or we're going to start off talking about um boof daddy no yeah so we're gonna start off by talking about jay so obviously we're not re-recording that no we're not re-recording. <laughs> right, let's go around i'm calm calling him the buff daddy um, <laughs> so we're gonna start off by talking about about jay so um if you've been following the news recently jay was recently um arrested in stratford and found to be in possession of an offensive weapon um so he's been bailed until his hearing um, which is set to take place, I think, in a few weeks. And, I mean, we're not necessarily going to be um, discussing his music, although I must say, when I first heard this news, had my I was in my car, put on Big Spang, <laughs> and I was dancing and crying at the same time. Because <laughs> um, I was just there like, yo, no more summer anthems. Yeah. Um, but we're not here to discuss the merits of his music or how summer is going to flop or bang because he's not here we're, we're, we're going to talk about an article actually that came out in independent so um you might know franklin addo otherwise known as franklin music on twitter um who published an article in the independent uh which in which he was basically talking about um how he felt justice could be executed in jay huss's case so he referred to lavinia woodward who is an Oxford medical student, or who was an Oxford medical student. And his the, the headline from the article was, Jehar shouldn't be in prison for carrying a knife when Oxford student Lavinia Woodward walked free after stabbing her boyfriend. Um, and a kind of like a sub-headline was that surviving trauma, both physical and mental, can compel one to take precautionary measures so as to not risk being subjected to it again. Um, so I don't know how you guys want to take this. Do you want to deal with the first bit about how um, justice should be exercised in this case and I'll try and give more of a background about Lavinia Woodward or we can take we can talk about how in Jay Huss's case somebody who's been violently attacked before stabbed previously may have considered that in order to defend himself he needs to carry a knife where, where, do, where do you guys want to start? I'm going to do the latter first okay cool but before we do that let's get a bit of a background okay. to the Lavinia Woodward case sure so Lavinia Woodward um, like has been said was an Oxford medical student um, and sometime in 2016, used a bread knife to wound her boyfriend. Um, she had basically been taking drugs um, and alcohol. She had a history of drugs and alcohol abuse. And her boyfriend came to visit her at her place in Oxford. And after he told her to kind of like, put the drink down and basically tried to challenge her and her drinking. She got violent, started throwing a few things and eventually stabbed him with a bread knife. Now, um, she was essentially spared jail because she had her two-year sentence suspended. Um, the judge, within the sentencing guidelines, had considered this, that there were no statutory aggravating factors um, that meant she should be given a harsher sentence. And so I guess it was a very contentious um, case because a lot of people considered that this same um, exercise of justice wouldn't be meted out to people who were not in her position as somebody who's clearly a very intelligent, as was noted in the, the sentencing report, um, individual. Um, so there was another person, another lady, Angela Stead, who had a similar case to her, 
but I didn't have her sentence suspended. Um, she sliced a victim's artery when she stabbed somebody with a bread knife. But that's the background on that case. So we'll start off with whether um, carrying a knife is a legitimate precautionary measure to defend yourself in the event that you've been stabbed previously or may not have even been stabbed ever. Yeah, I just, I think that's the instant thought that came into mind. So the, the, the subtitle to Franklin's article focuses mm. on, you know, precautionary measures that people who have been subject to trauma go on to, to undertake. There are many things that could have been done that didn't require J-Hus to carry a knife. And I think that's the first thing we have to sort of indicate. Um, I don't know his wallet, but mm. I know that he's been quite successful with the music he's producing. And on that basis, he should be able to, if he feels, if he feels in any way threatened, maybe have a bodyguard around him or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think it's his decision. And again, I want, I want, I want to stress this fact. It's a decision. It was an act of his free will to carry a knife. Is the only response that he could have taken as someone who has been subject to trauma. Mm. I don't want to downplay the trauma, but I, I do want to, and I think that's important because of the culture we kind of live in, which I think tries at many points to abdicate responsibility. I do want to focus in on the point, the fact that he took a decision and that wasn't the only decision available to him. Yeah. Israel, you're looking very pensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think about the words he just said I hmm I mean I I guess okay my, my initial my initial thoughts um, after hearing you speak were well J-House is from a particular context um, where he's been reared in a certain way of thinking and the trauma I actually want to believe is more um, impactful than we might think so okay here's what I'm thinking to to sort of make more sense of what I've what I just said I, w I watched it, this is a while ago, I watched a documentary on the crime that was happening in um, South Chicago. Um, and a reporter or documentary, what do you call people that do documentaries? Louis Farouk. No, no, what do you like? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, shout Louis. Documenter, I don't know, whatever. Somebody. Yeah. Anyway, they go there and they were speaking to... Definitely not documenter. <laughs> Leave me. But we get the point. We get it. Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. Um, I'm going to make up my own words at this okay, point. Okay. Um, Scooby-dee-doo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oopsie Scoop. Go on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, oh, what was I? So, yeah. So, you were speaking to people at the... Um, in South Chicago who obviously have their fr friends have been killed, they've been stabbed, they've been shot, all this stuff. And he was like, you recognise, he was talking to the to like some of the gang members, you recognise you have gone through some of the same things, even if not some more dramatic things than people who have been to Iraq. And when you when people from the, um, the army who come back to the US, they get actual specialist treatment for their trauma. Sure. And you live in South Chicago and I've actually experienced the same things. You live in a war zone and you actually go through the same trauma, but you get none of that support. And I think, so sure. I, I mentioned that because that's what it came to my mind when I think about Jay Huss and the context he grew up in. This is, this is like real trauma in the same sense that those who go into a war zone, who get shot on the battlefield, who get, you know, attacked and jumped on, the black boy in South London is going through the same cycle, the same emotional um rhythms as the person who's entered a war zone but we don't treat it or we don't approach it like it's that way mm -hmm. so we we put more okay here's here's why i wonder here's why i wonder yeah if the person wasn't jay huss yeah but it was a war veteran yeah would we approach it the same way no well, before before, so, before okay. we go there, I can tell you you're you're personalizing it quite a bit because you said black boy from South London, J Hus is from East. So yeah. you're, <laughs> you're you're from South. So I, I sorry, can I just can I just go yeah, back go to the question? If it was a war, it was a war war veteran. Yeah, would we approach it the same way? Sorry, are we saying the war veteran who's uh, stopped in East London carrying a knife, or the war veteran who's been on the plains of Asca of Afghanistan and has suffered? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying. I'm, so here's what I'm saying. I'm okay. not, I'm not, I'm not going to put a particular experience to the war veteran. I'm yeah. just saying. Right. So yeah. let's let's assume, for the sake of argument, that someone has gone through. They went. They went to war. Let's say they had a. Um, 
they weren't on the front lines, but they were like a what, what, su- support. That's, they were a super chef. Like yeah, something yeah. like that. And then they had this an, an incident in which the the kitchen was jumped. Yeah. And you know they survived it, and it was traumatic and so on. If they came and they came back to London, yeah. they were walking around East London, and they had a knife because they had this sense of like someone's behind me. Right, right. Would would we look at that situation the same way? Would okay. would we? Would we approach with a different set of questions? Is what I'm saying because right, I almost right. want to. I I I really do think that our culture, our society, the justice system doesn't really consider the full impact mm. of that kind of context mm-hmm. in when in when it asks the questions regarding um, the way young black boys behave or react or think. Um, and I'm using the war veteran as a as a a point Comparison. of almost highlighting yeah. just how I think undermining our approach can be to I mean, that experience. My concern when you do that is again going to what I was saying at the start. You abdicate responsibility. It's I'm I understand I understand how trauma can impact people very differently and. It can be long running. It can at points be um, extremely poignant. I understand that. My concern is that it doesn't change the fact that the decision taken with regards to holding a knife was not the only decision that was available to him. And I'm confident enough to suggest that he, or if divorcing it from J-Huss, someone in that context, would be aware that that's not the only option available to him to protect himself. I I appreciate what both of you have said, um, and I don't know if this will be helpful, but I think perhaps this gives us maybe a bit more context in what the consequences could be um, in the event that a, a person doesn't carry a knife. This is not me advocating for them carrying a knife. I hope you understand this. So recently a tweet went uh, pretty viral about a young man called Nashwan Burhand, Erhand? Um, Esbran, sorry. Yeah, no, it's Nashwan Esbran. Yeah, yeah. Um, who was stabbed to death after warning police that he'd been targeted by gangs. And basically, um, Maximum Band on Twitter um, had basically said, so he told the police that sufficient <laughs> action wasn't taken. Shout out Daryl. I don't know if we would okay that was been on the podcast right yeah that's true. That was been on the shout podcast. out Darryl homie um, <laughs> so he told the police and sufficient action wasn't taken if he armed himself he could have been arrested and sent to jail or killed someone in self-defense and sent to jail what on earth are you supposed to do it's like being forced to choose between death or jail hmm. and I had sympathy with that um, comment because I wonder if that is the kind of mind frame that a person who suffered this trauma is really experiencing now you you suggested that um I, you know i distinguished that example okay i i i i, I saw the tweet i, saw, I yeah. read about the article and i thought he was just placed in a horrific situation. situation yeah um and i distinguished it on the basis that one he'd made the relevant authorities aware, aware yeah and they had for whatever reasons not taken sufficient action mm-hmm. and two as far as my understanding of his personal circumstances mm-hmm. extends he was not in a position to be able to afford um, the type of protection mm-hmm. that people who, and again, this is an assumption I'm making, yeah. the type of protection somebody who, as successful as Jay Huss has been, would be able to to, to afford. Mm-hmm. And then the, the third thing I would suggest as well, and again, I don't, I, I don't want to push this one too much yeah. because I'm not, I'm not 100%, I, I don't think it's legitimate, but I do think it's important if you are involved in that lifestyle, I don't think this gentleman was. National Nets brand? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so go on. But if you are involved in that lifestyle, even if it's at an early age and you come out or whatever, the people around you also have the decision when they're with you as to how they choose to be armed. So in the case of Jay Huss, when we're talking about this being a highly successful artist and so on and so Mm. forth, if he felt that, that level of sort of I'm, I'm at risk here. Mm. It could well be an, another form of action. I don't think he should have done this, yeah. but I'm just saying that it's out there. If he was with his people, it's also he could have his own form of bodyguard in his friend's 
carrying something or so on and so forth. I just want to say that just to say this national example, mm. these three things I don't think were available to him. So I appreciate that from Nashon's perspective. Yeah. And in the same way that you've kind of admitted that you don't know the size of J Huss's po- pockets. Yeah. We're essentially assuming that J Huss has the ability to afford, say, 24 hour close body protection, yeah. which Assumption. we don't know. Assumption. Um, uh, which I think is which I think is fair to state, but I guess my reason for bringing it up is because I'm wondering if if he has in mind that same kind of question that Daryl was basically asking. Because for all we know, mm. and this is a fact that we don't know, um, uh, this is, we, we at least know that the police would be aware that Jay Huss has been a victim of a violent incident. Sure. Um, now, the degree to which they are in regular contact or are regularly updated about his um, uh, proximity to violence or vulnerability. Sure. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. But they would be aware at least that this has taken place. So I guess there's a parallel in that sense. But yeah, like like Israel, I'm trying to enter into the mind of somebody who's worried about having few options and so taking this avenue. So... Regardless of whether um, Jay Huss had the right or wrong motivations um, for carrying the knife, he has um, committed a crime by the law of this land. Yep. And I guess the question should then be one of what factors should the judge be considering um, when deciding um, the punishment for the crime and the level of sentencing uh, that this tr- this crime should attract I will just open up the sentencing report for um, uh, Lavinia Woodward because that was the comparison with which um, Frank Franklin made yeah. um, on this case okay yeah so <clears throat> the the sentencing report written by Ian Pringle QC basically said that um the case in which she stabbed her boyfriend with a bread knife was a case of lesser harm. Um, even though her behavior was extremely intimidating, the actual injuries sustained by her boyfriend were relatively minor and certainly less serious in the context of an unlawful wounding offense. Um, he did think that it was it was a case of higher culpability. Um, and so because the bread knife, although the bread knife wasn't, um, an offensive weapon it was used for the purpose of injuring somebody and that's what attracted the higher culpability however when he was assessing the factors um, the other fact- factors yeah. that um, were to be considered in terms of um, the sentence he suggested that there weren't any statutory in- statutory aggravating factors include Kofi um, so just just to go back a bit so s- statutory aggra- aggravating it's okay. Oh, pip, pip, pip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, um, these aggregate. <laughs> take three. <laughs> one take, one take. <laughs> Yo, these these factors. And <laughs> <laughs> I said, nah. Um, that indicate higher culpability uh, can be whether, for example, this offence was committed whilst on bail for another offence. Right. Um, whether there was planning that took place or premeditation, mm. um, whether this was, you know, professional offending, so like organised crime, um, whether it was a deliberate targeting of vulnerable victims and so on and so forth. So effectively, what the um, the judge or the QC in this case would have been considering was is anything that surrounded this sort of incident um, worthy of attributing further culpability? Mm. Um so, I mean, in her case, they didn't find any um, statutory aggravating factors, but they did find a non-statutory one, which was the influence of alcohol. So she had been drinking before her boyfriend apprehended her. Um, when it when he turned to considering the mitigating factors, so those, those are factors to be taken into consideration to, dare I say, lessen or reduce the um, seriousness of the offence. Um, he considered the fact that she had no previous convictions, um, that she was genuinely remorseful um, following the event. Um, she's clearly, and I think perhaps this is the real consternation for a lot of people, 
I quote, she's clearly a highly intelligent individual, but you had an immaturity about you, which was not commensurate for somebody your age. At the time, she was 24. Um, according to uh, psychiatric experts and reports, fourthly, she suffered from an emotionally unstable personality disorder, a severe eating disorder and alcohol drug dependence. And lastly, um, that over the last nine months, she had taken steps to um, treat herself, receive counselling in terms of um, lessening the effects of uh, alcohol and drug addiction. Yeah. Um, so a range of things went into consideration mm. um, when deciding whether uh, she was to do some actual jail time or have sure. a sentence suspended. But I guess, like I said, one of the sticking points for people was the fact that her high level of intelligence was considered. Yeah. Um, and I think more generally, Afua Hirsch wrote an article in The Guardian which basically suggested that she had... Um, also, she also had access to um, very expensive lawyers who'd be able to argue mm. her case for her. Mm. Um, she had the privilege of going to Oxford and so almost having that kind of institutional right. background. Mm. Um, and so she was able to exert her privilege against the judicial system in a way that somebody like Angela Stead, who also had a very similar case to her, wasn't. But of course, you also have to consider those other aggravating and mitigating yeah, factors. Yeah, sure. So yeah, what do you guys think about... Um, in relation to the article then, um, a person's, say, intelligence, abilities, um, fame, popularity, being taken into consideration when deciding whether to exercise justice in the event that a crime has been committed. I make, instant, instantly I make two distinctions, mm. um, or rather I separate into two categories. So in the first, so your fame, your popularity, your success, I think that for me is a blanket no. Mm. And I, 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 what comes to mind is God is not a respecter of persons. Mm. So this concept of, you know, just because I'm someone who has been gifted with a great mind or have been successful in a particular sphere, I should be out. I should, I shouldn't effectively receive justice doesn't work for me. Mm. However, I am minded to say that you should definitely consider the factors that contribute to putting someone in a position where they choose to um, to commit a crime. So example, like the example that's always used is I have a lot more time for a man who steals bread from the shop because he's got a starving daughter at home than I do for somebody who does fraud because quite frankly, they want a new jacket. Mm. and. They're very different. But the factors in one case, I think, should be considered such that that individual who's stolen bread to feed the family is not treated or is not, doesn't receive the same sort of um, judicial sentencing if it went to that case as the person who commits fraud for the purposes of their own vanity. Very different things. I mm. think in the, 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 the medical student's case, if the emphasis fell on her talent as opposed to her issues that she was dealing with regards to you know her um battles and bouts with um eating disorders and alcoholism if it, if it was on that side fine but if it felt on her intelligence and so on i have an issue with that and so at that point i wouldn't want to extend that president to someone like jay huss where it would be a case of saying just again because jay huss has achieved a high level of success and i don't want to downplay that a high level of success particularly for someone who comes from his background mm. we should be now saying because of that we're not going to uh, make him the recipient of justice um your first point just reminded me just this are like quick comments um your first point reminded me of uh james the book of james where and i know it's not it's not the courts but it's what came to mind um you know we're saying do you treat the rich person differently to the poor? Yeah. You say to the rich, oh, come and sit here because you're rich, you have status, you have fame, um, and to the poor person, I'll sit on the floor. Um, you can't do that. You're meant to in a, essentially treat all peoples equally apart from what they have by way of st status, um, value, monetary value, not metaphysical value. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> <laughs> metaphysical, you know. Philosophy in the house. Um, 
And yeah, so that, that that's what came to mind in terms of that. And that was just the throwaway comment I had, really. Yeah. Mm. Um, having read the Lavinia Woodward case, it appears to me that for a lot of people, and perhaps even myself initially when I'd first considered this, the emphasis on what the judges used to decide the sentence or the suspended sentence uh, had a lot more to do with some of her kind of um, her personal situation yeah. than it did necessarily her intelligence yeah. or her abilities as a medical doctor. Um, because when I first kind of looked at this, I kind of thought to myself, well, um, I don't think necessarily that Franklin is arguing for um, using a person's intelligence, popularity or fame as a legitimate marker of whether they should receive um, a harsher or lesser sentence. To my mind, I just thought he was advocating for Jay Huss getting himself some good lawyers who, because there's a hole in the system essentially, is suggesting that where the judicial precedent exists, it should be extended to other people. Um, and I guess that's one of the issues that you have to deal with with imperfect justice systems in that, unfortunately, not everybody will receive the same uh, level of justice for the crimes that they commit, even if those crimes are um, factually similar. But I think for me, um, that gives me encouragement about the Christian faith, um, because we think about the fact that the judge of the earth will do right, and so the ultimate justice hmm. will be done um, concerning sin and all of the wrongs and evils that we and other people commit. Um, that just made me think of, oh, I'm trying to get it up quickly. Um, yeah, so it made me think of Psalm 10, 17 and 18. Oh Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted, you will strengthen their hearts, you will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that the man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. So yeah, essentially those lines that um, the judge of the earth will do right. Um, but I also... In, in the whole conversation, especially the part where we spoke about um, being able to get good lawyers and um, essentially what privilege, prestige, fame can allow you to do in the justice system. It made me think about Proverbs 31 um, and in verse 8 where um, Lemanuel's mum is speaking to Lemanuel. He says, open your voice, open your mouth for the mute. Um, <clears throat> and it made me just think, because there is a difference in terms of um, who has power, who has privilege, who has the means by which to protect themselves, yeah. um, there's a special onus on the government and the justice system to make sure that there's almost a, I want to be careful here, an inequality mm -hmm. in terms of how um, people are represented because we know, for example, the rich can provide for themselves good lawyers, we should go at special means and special length to get the best for those who can't afford to open those same opportunities and doors for them. Um, that was just a random thought. Hmm. Not directly in keeping with what we are discussing, but... It was, it was the, useful. Yeah. I think, to add on to that, um, we've sort of discussed what has happened. So, mm. you know, Jay Huss arrested, um, has been charged and so on. And we're, we're sort of making projections about what we think should happen. Um, the thing that I do want to highlight, and we had this back and forth a little bit when we were speaking about trauma and with your examples yeah. um, of South Chicago and so on. I think what's important to also have out of this discussion is an understanding of the fact that trauma is a real thing for people mm. in these communities mm. and there isn't enough done. One, firstly, to explore the impact of that trauma such that you can make legitimate arguments based on statistical evidence, which often lends itself well to being more compelling. Mm. And two, such that when um, circumstances like this are arising, um, people have the knowledge base essentially to support individuals who are from backgrounds like Jay Huss, such that they can find themselves less in a position where they feel as though this is the only form of action they can take to protect themselves. 
I don't want to hear about um, Nash on Ez brand in five years time or 10 years time or 15 years time right. um, just under another name. And I, I, I don't think that should be the case. I think as these issues are coming to light, my hope is actually like people like Franklin who writes this article who I know is a gifted individual intellectually mm-hmm. is able then to go into, you know, the, the academic world to provide sort of the basis for some of us to be able to make these articulate arguments that can lead to um, a justice system which does take into consideration people's mm. social context having the relevant requisite information to do that in a way that they exercise justice while also balancing the need to do so compassionately yeah this is also by the way why i think we need um one of the important reasons for having representation in the justice system because usually what does happen is um you can have people in the courts who have no understanding of the social context of the people that they are considering. Yeah. Which means there are so many factors that just go over the head, not necessarily out of spite or um, malice and vindictiveness, but just because there's no, the bridge that connects their world to the defendant's world mm. is doesn't exist. Mm. Um, whereas with the case of having people from those backgrounds in those places of power means there is that bridge that says, no, I, I do know yeah. the context in which you're from and i and i can i can go because i know it i'm able to build nuance in a way that fits the legal system but is not um essentially saying your social context means nothing mm-hmm. um it can satisfy both um what's the word for this both competing arms yes justice yeah. and um, compassion it can satisfy both and be more true to both because it satisfies both. Yeah. Mm. Cool. We'll Quick on. one. I don't know if I can I can ask this, but I'm going to anyway. Oh. What What do you What do you hope is the decision taken by those who preside over his case? Firstly, I hope whatever the result of <laughs> whatever the result of James's case is, is that moving forward, he starts to make wiser choices, and that means not carrying a knife. Yeah. Um, in 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 the future, um, truthfully, as a fan of Jay Huss, I would appreciate if he was around to make more music. Um, but because essentially he has committed a crime, I will be okay if the courts. I'm, I I, I do. Can I can I, I just say before Israel offers his his view. That, that answer that Dami gave was very mm. indicative of the career path Dami's going down. <laughs> I was I was actually about to say the same thing. I was like, that is a really well-tailored <laughs> response. You've made your point while making it seem as though you didn't really make it, even That's though you lie. did. I love it. It's perfect. Yeah. 10 out of 10 for you. Well, what is your response to that question, Israel? I am going to let the providence of God... <laughs> Spoken like a true pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Direct the path of J. Huss's life. Right, okay. Yes. Cool. So we'll cut it there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in fact, we didn't even put on. Yeah, Kofi, tell us, where where do you stand? Well. <laughs> well. <laughs> next, next question. question. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> That's, yeah, oh, that is funny. I don't know why they're doing that. I don't know why they're doing that. Hi there, it's Israel. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation around Jay Huss and the justice system. I just want to take some time out of this podcast to quickly mention and state clearly that Blackberry does not promote the breaking of any laws in the United Kingdom. And as it stands in the United Kingdom, it's illegal to carry a knife um, in public without good reason. Good reason being things like taking a knife for an exhibition at a museum and so on. Um, given that, our conversation, therefore, around Jay Huss um, and the case around him is in no ways trying to say that we think what he did is acceptable. We just want to consider the broader context of his situation, the justice system and what that means for the people in this country. Thank you for listening. Um, but yeah, on to the, the next topic, which we wanted to discuss. Um, and yo, this one, I mean... Do I just start it by saying get the strap and assume everybody? <laughs> My days. <laughs> assume what everybody's uh, talking about. I don't know. Fifty um, cent. But yeah, fifty cent. Um, the infamous 
Um, and and Terry Crews have, I wouldn't necessarily say been embroiled in a social media spat. Um, if you've been following what's been happening with Terry Crews recently, he has been pursuing um, a sexual harassment case um, against a quite prominent uh, man in the film industry. Um, the case is currently in court um, and Terry Crews was actually called before um, an arm of US government recently to, to explain, yeah, I'm not sure if you guys saw that, to explain what happened in his case. Um, he gave a very impassioned speech about what it was like to be a black man in America, um, as well as being a black man in Hollywood. But yeah, 50 Cent um, went on Instagram, was it? Was it Instagram? Yes. Yeah, on Instagram. I, I mean, I'll let you guys tell it because perhaps you're a bit more aware of what happened than I am. So essentially, um, after the video came out with um, Terry Crews giving his uh, statement before the committee um, on C-SPAN, uh, 50 Cent posted a picture um, with the caption to the effect of um, Terry Crews, I can't believe you let that happen to you. Um, you know, look at your size. Like, cause always Terry, Terry Crews is a very big man. Big man. Um, and he was like, if that was me, you know, I wouldn't have had it. Um, I would have gone to jail. And then the whole, I, I don't remember the words lately, but something, get the strap. I can. I, I can, don't understand this colloquial. Are you going to quote it for, um, for us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, as, as, okay. In so far as I can, because 50 Cent chose to use some very interesting language. <laughs> so there's, yeah, so there's two pictures. One where, as Israel alluded to, you know, Terry Crews is a very well-built man. Um, he's sitting there topless. And in the left corner is the wording, I got raped. And in the right corner is my wife just watched. The second picture underneath that is a picture of Terry Crews's face. And he's got a rose in between his teeth. And in the right corner, the phrase is gym time. The caption that 50 Cent has is, you know, the two eyes emoji, LOL what the insert explicitive is going on out here, man. Terry, colon, I froze in fear. They would have had to take me to jail. So this is 50 Cent commenting on Terry Cruz's I comment of I froze in fear. And then he ends with his, might I add, I've, I've heard reports that he sold this trademark saying. Overall. Yeah. So we might not even be able to use it. I don't know if you can use it anymore. But anyway, <laughs> but he, he, yeah, the, 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 the phrase being get the strap. Where does that come from? I have no idea. Well, get the strap. Yeah. I don't think he needs a context, you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> no, as in, not, not the actual meaning in terms of, because you said it, that he sold, this is way off topic. Yeah, right yeah. Now. But you said that he sold it. So I'm, I'm, my, my he's, first, he's just been using it. My yeah. first thought was that is this like a movie where no, it was copyrighted no, no. and a song yeah. and it became a 50 cent thing? I, I think over time it's just become something that's acquired intellectual property rights and oh. been able to sell it because wow. of how popular okay. the phrase has become and how much associated it is with 50 cent. Okay, um, okay. Um, what, what, are your, what are your instant thoughts on sort of the post having sort of had a bit more about it? And I thought it was um, insensitive. Mm. Okay. Very insensitive. Mm. Um, I haven't heard Terry Crews speak so much. I know he did a recent Breakfast Club interview. I think he goes into more detail about what the experience has been like for him in Hollywood and yeah. dealing with people's kind of questions about, you know, why didn't you punch him? Why didn't you slap him? And I think he offered quite a, um, a, a relatable, um, to some degree, um, expression of why he felt that would have been the wrong thing for him to do as in sure. to attack the person sure. who sexually harassed him um, I thought 50 Cent was incredibly insensitive because he almost in doing so undermined Terry Crews's manhood mm -hmm. by suggesting that because he didn't react violently he didn't demonstrate himself to be um, a man almost worthy of his size mm. his respect as this big kind of gym head um, on that point in particular I want to say that violence is not always the answer. I don't want to say, yeah. I appreciate that there may be times where you have to react in certain circumstances. Um, in a, not Violently. Violently. In self-defense? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. self-defense. Okay. Um, 
so I don't want to make it seem as if you can never react in a way to um, mm. somebody's I don't know attack right um, that means you must always run away and turn down the cheek even self-defense is legitimate yeah there, well, yeah there are I mean yeah in and of itself it is yeah. obviously context always applies but it's not inherently wrong mm. um, so it's a plausible option cool. yeah yeah, what, we, what, did, what were your thoughts about it? Yeah. Um, I thought 50 just went went too far. And it came, it came yeah, like, like you said, it was very insensitive. And very, uh, it felt like it, it, it undermined the importance of what Terry Crews had done. And, I, and, and one of the things I thought of was, essentially, I don't think 50 actually heard the statement by Terry Crews because what Terry Crews was trying to highlight was the power dynamics that exists in a yeah. lot of the industries that allow sexual assault to exist which is apart from anyone's any one person's physical strength or or so on and actually Terry Crews in his opening statement was saying that the reason he froze and part of it was because he recognized that he was not in a position of power to be able to just tell this um agent you know, or you can't do this or push him away because he instantly thought, what does this do for my career? What does this do for my place in Hollywood? Which is part of his not feeling able to react the way he would have liked. Sure. Which is the same reason for basically everyone in the Me Too movement. Yeah. Has been the power dynamics. Yeah. The person did this. I knew it was wrong. I could have run away. I could have gone in self-defense. But I instantly thought, what does this do for my career? What does this do for my place in and that power dynamic 50 just like completely overlooked it um i think i think terry might have mentioned the fact that he had to turn down a role for expendables 4 mm. because the people involved with it asked him to set aside this sort of claim that he was making in order for him to as a, con- a precondition to him getting yeah. the role so that whole aspect of you know how it affects your career is, yeah exactly is, is, is very real so here he is losing roles because he's not in a position of power to just essentially go the way he would like to and people are putting things to him and saying you have to follow our, our, our rules if you want to make it in the industry that's the issue at the the heart of the Me Too movement, that the power dynamics allows people to do what they want, which shouldn't be the case. Um, and mm. 50's comments just completely overlook that. It makes it insensitive, and it and it it it, it misses the entire point. Mm. Like this is not about. And, and Terry Crews gave a um, response to 50 Cent's comments in brief and said that this is not about size. It's not about size. It's not about phys, um, physique or anything about. It's about power dynamics. 50 you completely missed that and so you need to reconsider i think just just one of the things i just want to throw out there and they're not they're not related issues but terry cruz and monique i'm just really appreciating the way that we're having people in the industry Mm. who come from black backgrounds Mm. speaking on important issues Mm. in a way that is articulate is considered and is compelling. So I just want to shout them out on that point. Yeah, yeah. I think my my fifty cent was being fifty cent. Like this is this has been his brand. I he's never been particularly sensitive, and for the most part, is even the most part right. For, but for enough part, that's not a phrase. But I'm, <laughs> it, it, it's going to have to do. Out here today. Yeah, it's worked for him. You know, this whole kind of like brash, say what I want. Mm. Um, sometimes saying the things that people feel that they can't say because of the politically correct. That's just, that's just been 50 cent. Um, having said that, he, he really missed the mark on this one from my perspective. And I think one of the, the, the issues, Israel, you're highlighting is sort of this power dynamic. I want to bring it back into, um, I guess an understanding of biblical manhood because that's 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 effectively mm. what is being challenged by this comment of saying you know a real man would have done yeah. xyz you didn't do xyz therefore terry cruz you're not a real man um when i'm when i'm bringing it into this this sort of paradigm i think it takes an incredible amount of courage um for terry cruz 
to come out and to say the experience he's faced and mm. to pursue justice because quite frankly in the society that we live in now there are little to no benefits for him raising this issue yeah of course, there's his career which might suffer, but in terms of people's perceptions of him, Fifty Cent is not unique in holding this kind of view. Mm. I've seen it enough on Twitter from other people comment on, commenting on it to suggest that this is a widespread view by a number of people within the male community. So it takes a tremendous amount of courage there to do that, mm. and also to do so in the understanding that it may affect your bottom line, which as men in this age of people sort of focusing on how much you earn and so on, again, it's, it's a courageous decision. Now, the, the the actual act that took place, or one of them, not sure if there's multiple, but there was one I remember Terry recounting where an individual placed their hand on his crotch. And again, to have the self-control in that mm. instance, not to respond with lights out, TKO, Mm. Again, I'm not saying essentially the right or wrong decision, but to have the self-control in that instance to think, if I make this decision, how might this affect my family who I'm responsible for? My, my Whether that's my partner or my children, um, if I was to go to prison, or my, my ability to, to be considered um, as a an individual who is not given to the stereotypical view of black men, particularly because of his size, Mm. stereotypical view of black men being brutes and not intellects. Again, I think that is a demonstration of virtue that should be appreciated. So in this whole argument of, is Terry Crews a man? That that's effectively what Fifty Cent is 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 doing with this comment. Though I I doubt he's actually aware of the, the nuances of his post. I think he just kind of did it off the cuff. What we're seeing here is, I think, the world's definition of manhood and what it looks like to be a man coming at loggerheads. I'm not saying Terry Crews is the perfect example of biblical manhood, but I'm saying coming at loggerheads with some of the character traits Mm. which a Christian worldview would encourage in men. So that's not me, again, I just want to make this clear. That's not me saying that the only Christian response for Terry Crews in these scenarios was to do X, Y, Z, as he did. But I do just want to point out in challenging his manhood, actually, if 50 Cent looked a bit closer, he would see some of the decisions taken by Terry Crews in this scenario have been actually things that you want to see more amen. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my add-on to that is that actually... Kofi recommended to me a couple of years ago, I think it was, or maybe about a year ago, a book by Albert Moeller called um, The Marks of Manhood. And just on that point about courage, um, he gives about, if I remember correctly, about 12 or 13, what he'd say are descriptors of biblical men. And one of them was character maturity. And he deals specifically with this point about courage. And I just want to kind of um, give a snippet, a brief thing. It's a book I definitely recommend for um, a young man an old man, a married man, a single man. Uh, there are just a number of things in there that he deals with. That I it's think free as well, actually. It's free as well. you find it on Google. Mm. Just literally search. That changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> literally, if you just search Albert Moeller, M-O-H-L-E-R, um, Marks of Manhood, I'm sure you'll come across it. But yeah, he, he, he um, on the point about character maturity um, sufficient to demonstrate courage under fire, um, courage is demonstrated in taking a stand under hostile fire, refusing to succumb to the temptation of silence and standing as a model and example to others who will, be in, who will then be encouraged to stand their own ground. Um, I think what Terry Crews is doing is very novel in the sense that one, he's a black man who has decided to take this stance. But I can also surmise from it that it's been quite encouraging for other victims um, who have um, suffered similar kinds of episodes or or fate um it's been very empowering for them to see somebody take a stand and take it to court he's exercised i I think a um a commendable um path to achieve justice in that he's taken it to the courts and he's also tried to hurt the people where they will feel it the most in their pockets essentially um rather than you know uh, a broken jaw or a black eye kind of thing and I just think well Kofi was right not to suggest that um, 
Terry Crews is the archetypal biblical man, um, he's definitely exhibited um, some of those traits that we would like to see more men demonstrate. While we're on the topic of um, book recommendations, I would also recommend. <laughs> <laughs> we went on that topic. Yeah, he's on. <laughs> but go ahead. Um, uh, Strong and Weak by Andy Crouch. Okay. Um, very good book. So the entire book essentially is looking at the dynamic between authority and vulnerability, strength and weakness. Um, and this is going to, so I want to try and do two things at the same time. Hopefully it makes sense. First of all, um, like you said, Kofi, when in, in seeing 50s statements, comments, um, you actually see an overemphasis of strength, authority, um, which means that any sign of weakness, any sign of vulnerability, of openness, um, automatically rids you of your right to call yourself whatever the esteemed value is, in this case, manhood. Mm. So you're not a man if you show any instance of weakness, vulnerability, because the only thing we emphasize in manhood is strength and authority, essentially. Um, and so in Andy Crouch's book, he says, essentially, cultures have always leaned to one or the other. Mm. Um and I think it is it is the case that in the black community there's this lean, especially with, with black men, into the strength side as opposed to weakness. Mm. And so what that means is our response. Here's my point. Then our response needs to be learning the balance of the two. Um, and so what Terry Crews is doing, and what we see in that, and even as we um, heard some of Mola's comments, it means being open. Being open to essentially being strong enough to be weak mm. um to to know that being vulnerable is just as important um for true human flourishing mm. as having strength to walk with your head up and and you know stand your own ground and so on and so forth um so I, yeah like I, I would recommend that book in terms of understanding the dynamic between the two because when we understand the dynamic we are we are open to this door of truer human or truer humanity um as opposed to a toxic version um so mm-hmm. so so not i'm not adding another book <laughs> there are two books there one is free one is probably not free. <laughs> <laughs> um what i want to do is actually get on to discussing not necessarily 50 cent but the views that 50 cent represents and so for my mind, I think when we're considering 50 Cent and these views that he's espoused, we've also got to think of the fact that these these people who hold these views have been, funnily enough, in their desire to exercise um, alpha traits and excessive strength, have been victims, which we tend mm. to associate with weakness in the sense that they are not allowing themselves to have the full scope of humanity, which is to understand at points where the demonstration of strength is required, but yeah. also to understand at points where the demonstration of vulnerability is required. So yeah. I think of Paul um, hmm. saying, therefore, when I am weak, I am strong. Hmm. And you can't have that if you are so far on the scales towards, I need to always be demonstrating strength. Yeah. You, you, you can't have that. And therefore, yeah. if you can't have that, that is going to be a hindrance to your ability to grow in grace. Hmm. Um, so, so the issues that we're... Just turn into a Bible study. Just <laughs> keep it, keep it. Just, yeah. um, you throw me, man. <laughs> but the, the issues that these, these men are facing, mm. I think are quite pertinent in our communities, particularly coming from the black context. And I think it's equally important that as, as many of us are now going into the stages of life where we're becoming parents that we are teaching our young black boys the holistic experience of what it means to be a man mm. and not focusing on one virtue to the mm. extent that it becomes a vice. Hmm. That Aristotelian logic is beyond me. <laughs> Wonderful. Sorry. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Yeah, that, that was um, very good. So we're going to cut it here because um, we've been going on for about an hour. But yeah, make sure you um, hit us up with your views on... Um, Get strapped. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, and make sure you hit us up with your views on this conversation. 
Um, you can hear us on soundcloud.com forward slash Black Maria. We're on iTunes. Mm. Please make sure that you rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you to everybody who's been sending us um, love via email or DM and commenting on the stuff that we've been releasing. We're so thankful for you guys. Um, continue to share the stuff as well. Um, and yeah, listen up for the next episode. But before I just cut, Coffee wanted to chime in. Yeah, I just wanted to say as well, a lot of you have been in informal conversations with some of us just suggesting things you'd like for us to speak about please keep doing that we're mm. writing them down mm. we're trying to get opportunities to to put them onto some of the podcasts or in some of the articles so keep doing that keep suggesting yeah, yeah. we're trying to create content that's for us by us that effectively um goes to some of the issues that we're facing and we can only do that if the community that we're producing content for allows us to 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 be um in the space of understanding what is affecting them and what is challenging them. Solid. <laughs> Alright, peace. <laughs> Yo, don't we do that outro anymore? What outro? I'm Israel. Oh, for real? That's true. <laughs> Did we drop Dummy. that? Sorry. Nah, <laughs> no, we didn't drop that. I didn't drop that. I mean, I, I, I ain't been here for a while though. I don't know if we dropped that. <laughs> anyway, yo, so I'm, I'm Kofi. Liberia. <laughs> oh, you know what? Just cut, just cut. Tired of this. Yeah, tired of this, man. <laughs>